It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. God is so kind toward you, toward me. I need to be reminded of that this morning. And we've got Nate Pickowitz with us to remind us about that. Nate is the pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire. And he's the author of the brand new Moody book, The Kindness of God, Beholding His Goodness in a Cruel World. Nate, I am so geeked about this book. I have to tell you, I feel like kindness is so completely underrated. And I love that you had a passion in your heart to write an entire book about the kindness of God. His kindness has moved me to tears so many times. Where did this show up for you in your story and in your heart that you wanted to write a book about the kindness of God? Yeah, good morning. I uh, Exactly like you're talking about, I was uh, praying just through my own uh, life and asking the Lord uh, just for different things. And I found myself leaning into thanking him for being so kind to me and to my family. And uh, so it was out of that kind of repetitive thanking him for kindness that I was just thinking through, you know, is there something I can read about this to kind of explore it? And normally what I'll do when I research for a book is if I can't find it accessible to me in the moment, I'll try to go write it. So mm-hmm. I just began to explore the topic. And uh, and then I really quickly began to realize that a lot of people were struggling with this very same thing. And even in this cultural moment, uh, the need for exploring kindness is just so relevant right now. So yeah, it's uh, born out of my prayer life. What do you mean by struggling when you say people are struggling with God's kindness? Well, I think people are struggling to see it and apprehend it. And uh, certainly the world is just right now, there's a sense of being swallowed up in sadness and misery. There's a lot of people who are struggling with depression, anxiety. There's uh, just people who are angry at each other. And it it can feel like there's not kindness in the world. But even believers, I think, struggle because, you know, I know that God is good. I know that God is kind. But why is this happening to me, this bad thing? So, trying to explore that and just encourage and remind believers about God's character and how we can maybe see God's kindness displayed in difficult circumstances. Nate, you have this amazing story in the book about Susan. Can you give us the skinny version? Because this story just really grasps what you're really trying to communicate in the book. Yeah, this the story of Susan. She's uh, She shows up at the beginning and at the end, and she was the adult daughter of, uh, of one of my church members and was going through uh, several different kinds of cancer and just really had a, a very difficult life. I mean, everything you could imagine happened to a person happened to her. And, uh, and through that whole uh, process of going through trial, she became just very embittered toward God, very angry, really struggled. And um, and then through the process of just praying for her, ministering to her, uh, was able to see uh, God change her even in the last uh, weeks and months of her life, where by the end, you know, she was actually asking questions about God. And when I was able to minister to her and, and share that she could actually be forgiven for her sins, but also that God could comfort her and that he could heal her spiritually and she would be with him forever in heaven if she put her faith in Christ. You know, all of a sudden her eyes welled up with tears and she just began to to soften to him and by the end uh, gave her life to the Lord. And mm-hmm. so 
it ne- you never minimize a person's pain. You know, the, the trials we go through are difficult. They're, they're awful many times, but to see God's hand and his kindness to her, to redeem her and save her, even through all those things was just remarkable. And her mom, the same thing, just really uh, overwhelmed by God's kindness to them. And she felt like God could never forgive me for what I've done. That's right. And somebody's listening right. right now who feels that way. God, God could never forgive me if you only knew what I did. Mm-hmm. What can you say to That's, them? Yeah, well, we know that in Romans 2, 4, it says that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, uh, that God actually pours out loving kindness and tenderness, and his kindness is born out of his goodness, his inherent goodness. And uh, a person who, who needs to be forgiven, uh, I think we sometimes put up these roadblocks for ourselves because we frankly don't want to go and humble ourselves to ask for forgiveness. But when you do, when you go to the Lord, and ask him to forgive you and ask him to save you and ask him to cleanse you. He's so faithful mm. and, uh, and he will. It's by his kindness he does that. I think so often we think about the kindness of the Lord and we think, you know, hashtag blessed, like things are going my way. The Lord is being kind. Can you just kind of talk into that a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about the kindness of God. Yeah, I think it's really important to to recognize that that God's kindness flows out of His goodness. It's it's out of who He is. And so, when I say that, what I mean to say, in addition to that, is that God is also righteous, and everything He does is perfectly and always right. So God knows what is best for us more than we do. And sometimes even uh, God can demonstrate kindness by not giving the thing that we ask for or think is best for us. So, uh, and because here's the thing, if it was only ever what we wanted, if it was only the nice car, the good job, you know, perfect health, then uh, we would never grow. We would never experience, I mean, we're stuck in a fallen world. Uh, and uh, and so God does demonstrate kindness in, in ways that we might not expect. Um, there are times when when he does uh, let a person uh, suffer through something because there's there's another greater reality at the end of that. And so even for Susan, I mean, her her life in Christ was was more valuable in the end than healing, even in this world. And that's mm-hmm. hard to say. But right now, Susan isn't even thinking about the, the, the struggles of cancer. She's rejoicing and worshiping Christ in heaven with a perfect glorified body. So uh, God is kind, even in difficulty. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is that God's kindness to her was even greater than the cancer diagnosis. I mean, if you can unpack that a little bit too, right? Like it, sure. if, 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 the, if the cancer diagnosis was the thing that led her to an eternal security. Exactly. It's possible that that could have been an act of kindness. Yeah, and it, it really comes down to perspective. I'll never forget there was a man in my church one time, and uh, the pastor uh, was going around asking different people to kind of share testimony about uh, what they're, th- they're thankful for. And this man who had been through stage four cancer and survived, he stood up, and I'll never forget it. He said, I'm thankful to God for cancer. And there was a gasp in the room. He said, I'm thankful for cancer. He says, because through my cancer battle, I realized that I actually wasn't a Christian. I was a false convert. He goes, I didn't really have a love for God at all, but the cancer diagnosis and going through that revealed sin in me, revealed my my dependence on God, my trust in God. And so he said, now I equate my cancer battle 
with my new birth. So this man stood up and was praising God for cancer. So, you know, up is down in the kingdom of God. You know, he uses these horrible things to accomplish good purposes. And I think uh, we just have to encourage our hearts that God is good and he is always working. That reminds me, my dad, this past fall, he broke his hip. And so he had to, you know, go through a long process of recovery, still recovering. But when he was in the rehab place, we had just a really special time where he shared in tears. He said, God broke my hip. God broke my hip because, you know, it was working something in his heart that he needed to see that wouldn't have happened if he had not broken his hip. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. I mean, God broke Jacob's hip for the same purpose, you know, to, to, you know, we have to, you know, there are times we have to get wrestled out of our current situation, our current life, our current fallenness, our, our sinfulness in order to redeem us and bring us out or even grow us. Perry, it's funny. We're talking about similarities. You and I, my mom broke her hip last winter as well. Oh wow! And it was, it was one of the hardest things I've ever seen her go through, mm. but at the, I dedicate the book to her because through her, terrible life and death ordeal, I saw God's kindness even displayed in my parents' marriage, in the hospital room, and her healing, and her spiritual growth. I mean, all these amazing things came out of a very terrible, terrible thing. Uh, So God, you know, he, He surprises us with His kindness. When I think about God's kindness, Nate, I think, I'm so grateful. I am so grateful for the kindness of God towards me. And I I think most believers are. But I also think that we wrestle sometimes with how we represent God to the world around us. And I don't know that we think of his kindness as a way that we want to show up in the world. We know we need to be righteous, right? We We know we need to stand for what God stands for. But can you talk a little bit about representing God's kindness in our relationships with other people? Absolutely. Yeah, I think about Ephesians 4.32 there, where the Apostle Paul says, be kind to one another. Then he says, tenderhearted, mm-hmm. forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And so when we do experience God's kindness and we pray and thank him for being good to us and and for blessing us, but even through trials, working through those trials and, and growing us in godliness, if, if we've received all of that from God, then we are also to be tenderhearted toward other people. Uh, it's like the parable of the wicked slave. You know, you can't you can't receive God's goodness for yourself and then give none of it to anybody else. So, so we are to be forgiving and tender-hearted and kind to people, uh, not for our own sake, because sometimes people are hard to be kind to. People are hard to love sometimes, uh, but we don't do it just for the sake of feeling good. We do it because uh, God's glory is worth it. He has been good to us, so why why would we not then demonstrate that to other people? So I think the motivation is a, a relationship with God mm. and a desire to please Him. And when you want to please Him and think less of yourself, then you prefer you prefer other people and think higher of them. And I think that's right. And I think that when I want to be righteous toward people and judgmental toward people, it's that I haven't let the gospel humble me. Mm-hmm. When the gospel humbles me, it moves me to be kind toward others. Yeah, absolutely. There is a humility of mind that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2. You know, he says, uh, considering other people to be more important than yourself. I think that the the heart of uh, of rage against other people or sh- being short with them or, or uh, being angry with them and lashing out, I think that there's a pride there. Uh, there there's a, a self-exaltation that 
puts me above other people. We see it in the political sphere. We see it in the cultural sphere. Uh, and it's just for Christians, it's just flat wrong. Mm. Uh, we need to be preferring other people and lifting them up and encouraging. We can still speak the truth and we ought to be standing for truth, but do it in love, as the Bible says. So I think there's a there's a, a lost art of, of Christian kindness that we need to rekindle. Mm, that's so good. I love this passage in Romans. It says, the kindness of God leads to repentance. Amen. And I have seen Amen. this in my own life. You know, I was I, I was born again, spiritually reborn when I was 10 years old. But it took a long for, time for me to find my sea legs, if you will, and just had a lot of massive failures as a teenager. And when I went into college, it was about my junior, senior year of college, I just became hyper aware of the sins I had committed as a teenager. And it was just like God was just putting his finger so hard on those things. And it made me realize that I was getting a lot of my righteousness in the fact that I had grew up in a Christian family and I, I was doing these things. And, and as God made me hyper aware of my sin, it really profound, profoundly led me to the cross uh, to, to a degree that I had never experienced before. And that was all God's kindness. Absolutely. You know, I think that's, God is both loving and he's also just. God has the prerogative. He has the right uh, to to repay and punish sin for what it is. I mean, he is sovereign over all things, and yet he demonstrates kindness. I mean, there's uh, uh, Titus 3, 4 says, when the kindness of God appeared, he saves us. So there is a, a kindness in salvation, a kindness in, in sort of putting a mirror up to ourselves and we see our own sinfulness. That's a loving thing. I think about this, you know, a cancer doctor, you know, the, the, the nice thing would be to say, oh, no, you're fine. Everything's great. Go about your business. That, that's nice. That makes me feel good. But if, if I have deadly cancer that's going to kill me, the kindest thing he could ever do yeah. would be to be honest with me and reveal that to me, even though I might not like it in the moment. That's the kindest thing you can do because then I can seek healing. And I think that same thing goes with God that we we have to to get right with him, to be honest before God, to see our sins, find forgiveness in Christ, and then we can begin to grow in him. Something scary has come into my life this week. It's the suddenlies of life. It's the unexpected things of life. And, you know, it's... It's unsettling. It causes fear. You know, we're human. We're going to feel fear, but it's it's what we do with our fear that makes all the difference. And so I don't know where else to go but to God's promises. And Psalm 34 is just coming to mind this morning as I think about this fearful thing. And David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. Mm-hmm. Those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him from all his troubles. And so, man, when when the unexpecteds of life hit, we can freak out. Mm-hmm. And I've done that many times. But I also know that I need to go to God's word, go to God's promises. And God's promises are not a silver bullet to take away, you know, all the hard things that, that we go through in life, but they are the foundation that are unshakable. Those promises are unshakable. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about the freak out versus having 
grabbing onto the promises of God, I'm reminded of, you know, the, the, the man in the Bible who said, I do believe, mm-hmm. help my unbelief. Yep. The two can exist, but we want to, we want to fuel the fire of believing on the promises, you know, standing on the promises. Yes. And for me, that's worship music will do that. Um, reading God's word, reading the same promise over and over, you know, and just saying, Lord, help me. I, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And so just this morning, I, I shot a text to a couple of family members, you know, just, just feeling this this angst and this fear. And it's Romans 15, 13. I think you know this, Shauna. Mm-hmm. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. question for you first. What is the one thing that if your life was perfect, if you woke up tomorrow morning and your life was perfect, what would be different than your life today? Okay. Just I curious. Hit a three-pointer last night to win the game for the Warriors. Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I think that question, whatever whatever the gap is, you know, between man, if my life would be perfect and what I'm living right now might reveal, <laughs> might reveal an idol. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying that I don't want that for you and I don't hope that for you because that is my desire that tonight on this Friday night, you would hit the game-winning three-pointer for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Is that going to happen? I don't know, but I think it'd be awesome. And I would be there cheering you on if that happened. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. But I think there's, for me, let me just be honest about, I always feel like there's something that I think that I'm longing for, that I think, ah, if we can just get to this, then my life will be better. And I'm challenged by Paul's statement when he said in Philippians, I know I've learned to be content. He said, I have learned the secret of contentment. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether living in plenty or in want. And I just, I, that's such a challenge for me. And I'm, I'm actually encouraged by the fact that he said, and he didn't say, I know, mm-hmm. or I live. He said, I've learned it. I want to learn it. I want to, I want to learn it. I want to be on that journey. And it, the secret was, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Is that where you were going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. it. That's All verse right. 13. I just stole your thunder. No, you didn't steal my thunder. That's, this, we're just having a conversation. That's exactly it. And when we say that, when Paul says that, he's saying, I find everything I need in Christ in the fact that he loves me, that he saved me, that he rescued me, that he fills me with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's getting at. It's Christ himself who is his contentment. And because he knows who he is in Christ, he can do all things, whatever he faces, Mm because he knows he's loved. Right. He says, I can do all this. Is Is he meaning like... I can be hungry, I can be full, I can be, like, it doesn't matter what, what my life circumstances are, I've got the Lord with me. That's it. And so, 
he's going to be the strength to see me through whatever it is. That's what I was trying to say. Well, you did say it, but I'm just, I I am verbally processing my understanding of what you just said. But man, that's good stuff right there, right? Like Mm -hmm. to learn to be content, whatever the circumstances are. I don't know what it is in your head that how you answer that question of, man, if, if I, if my life was perfect tomorrow morning when I woke up, what would the difference be? But I know that even without that, you can be content in Christ. Shot is up. It's good. But hey, just hit the three-pointer. Good job, Pear Dog. I don't know about you, but there are times my emotions overwhelm me like a massive wave threatening to wash me away. Emotions are beautiful. Emotions can be excruciatingly painful. Emotions shouldn't be stuffed especially painful ones, Mm -hmm. painful emotions can be showing us that something is wrong. There's a lie we're believing or there's a trauma that needs to be healed or maybe the painful emotion is grief and we just need to lament and pour out our sadness to God. I think that believing that our emotions can be stuffed is is just a joke. It's so silly because we can try to stuff them and then it just like oozes out, like pops out the side. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. shoving it down the top going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to deal with you. I, I did this so often shortly after my dad passed where I'd be at Costco and I would see, I would pass by the flowers. And I would see the roses and all of a sudden, woof, this well of emotion, right? Oh, we bought roses at Costco when I was in California when my dad died. And, and all these, and it's like, nope, 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 nope. Push it down. Can't do that right now. And there were many times that by pushing it down, I thought I was dealing with it. But by pushing it down, you're just inviting it to come back on its own time sometime. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's okay, like in that moment, no, I'm not going to sit down on the floor in Costco and cry. <laughs> that, that would be weird. Right. But to say, I need to revisit that, I need to let that surface is a healthier approach. But so often, I will shove it down and think I've taken care of it. And then it just pops outside later. (laughs) (laughs) It's not pretty. We don't want that. Not pretty. So, yeah, we don't want to stuff our emotions. But all that said, I don't think emotions ever tell us the truth. Hmm. Like even in the case of grief or depression, the feelings will say, this is never going to end. I'm going to feel this way forever. Mm Mm-hmm. So I try to pay attention to my feelings. I try to express them, but I don't stand on them. Does that mm. make sense? Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. We actually, we had a similar conversation a couple of days ago and and it kind of came out of my mouth before I really thought it through. But But I think there's something to it that our emotions are kind of, I feel like in my life, my emotions are kind of like little Shauna, meaning like young Shauna has these deep feelings and I want to know what they are. And so I don't want to tell little Shauna to just be quiet and not express herself. I want her to be able to express herself. But like I'm picturing us being in the car together. I'm not going to give her the keys and say, you know, get up here, little Shauna, you get to drive. So I'm not going to let my emotions navigate how mm-hmm. I behave or, or even what I think. But I do think it's important to know what's going on there. Yeah. And the young parts of us need to be need to be loved. We need to, you know, let God's love come into 
the parts that are young in us because it's those young parts that, you know, these things happened when we were young mm-hmm. and we felt unsafe or we felt unloved or we felt shamed. And oftentimes the big emotions can cause us to behave very childishly. Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like for you, Shauna? <laughs> Let me lay down a minute. <laughs> How much is this costing me right now? <laughs> it's free. Oh, okay. Author Sally Lloyd-Jones says, have you noticed that when it's cloudy, you can't see the stars and that sometimes clouds can hide even mountains from you? For a moment, it seems as if there are no stars shining, no mountains standing. Have the mountains moved? Have the stars stopped shining? No. The clouds have just hidden them. Mm-hmm. Feelings can be like clouds. They blow in and hide things from us. Sometimes they tell us God doesn't care or that God is far away. Or that mm-hmm. God is punishing you for that thing you did a long time ago. I had this thought this morning from the, I know it's from the enemy, because I had this fearful thing come into my life this week, and the thought that came into mind, my mind this morning was, it's because of, it's because of your sins mm. that this thing, you know, might go down the way you're fearing it'll go down. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's scary. First of all, I'm sorry that you are having to go through that it's it's very when you talk about you know some of the lies that our emotions make us believe i there's this really popular wave of thinking that a message i'll say i'll say it that way there's a message that we've received in culture that your feelings are valid yeah and that's a good message but i think we've taken it a little bit too far sometimes when we think my feelings are valid my feelings are true yeah. And your feelings are valid, but but man, the way that you just phrased it right now, our feelings don't always tell us the truth. If we feel like God doesn't care about you, if you feel like God's far away, that's not biblical. Right. Well, our our culture has discipled us, you know, like Star Wars, search your feelings. Your feelings are the power. Hmm. I'm watching this uh, this series called Avatar the last airbender and it's really good. But last night it was, you know, search, go deep into your feelings because mm. that's where the energy, that's where the power is. So our culture is discipling us in this way as well. The writer, Amy Carmichael said, our feelings do not affect God's facts. Our feelings come and go, but God stays the same. His promises still are shining. That's, that's where we need to go. Not to the deep feelings. And, you know, trust them as the truth, but to the promises of God. Like John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about the feeling that God is not with us or the feeling that God is far away. And I got to tell you, when I feel that way, if I allow that to govern the way that I'm behaving, the way that I'm acting, man, I, first of all, I feel like it's all on me. I got to rescue myself. I got to save myself. I've got to get myself out of this situation. And then I start to see life through that lens. I was reminded of a conversation that I was in and I just was feeling really, really overwhelmed and shared that feeling with someone. I was like, and it felt really vulnerable because I don't like 
I don't want to be rescued. I want to be sufficient. I want to be good. And so to say to somebody, I have a lot of emotions right now and they're really big and I'm not sure. I just feel overwhelmed was hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. And in response, the person that I shared it with was also feeling overwhelmed. And the response when I kind of listed off the things that felt overwhelming to me was, nobody put that on you. And I, and I thought, oh, wow, that makes me feel even more overwhelmed. You know, mm-hmm. that response. And, and the enemy used that in to to press a message into my heart girl you are on your own figure it out nobody's gonna help you 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 know you're an adult this is life just figure it out and it was not fun to wrestle with that and i i did i felt like like a good dutch girl i just gotta pull myself up by my own bootstraps i gotta make this thing happen and quit your crying put on your big girl britches and let's do life right and and I sat with the Lord with it and because I realized I was striving, I was striving, I was striving. And I sat with the Lord and I got honest with him about it. And you know what he said to me? He said, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Thanks for letting Perry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Perry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.